We're getting really good at developing the physical side of the game. Strength, speed, agility, skills, even the fuel we're putting into our bodies, which is awesome. If we want to perform our best, we have to make sure our bodies are at their peak, right? So maybe the organ that's in charge of running the body should also be involved. Now, you're probably not in agreement if you're listening to this podcast, but we don't really act that way. Even the term mental health tends to make people shy away. Even those of us with the best intentions, myself included. So we're officially reframing it. It's health, not mental, not physical. The mental and physical sides of the game are just two parts of the whole. And we coach the whole person here. That's what today's guest speaks to. We've got Derek Mason of Locked In Mental Performance, and he's got a special connection to our corner of the world. He plays fast pitch. He's been a member of Team Canada's men's team since 2006, and he's currently the team captain. They were 2015 world champions and Pan Am gold medalists, and they've also won three bronze in world championships. Plus, he was a five-time all-world team selection. So this guy knows the true value when you get your mind to work for you, and you'll hear all about his story coming up. Speaking of, before we jump in, I've got to mention our Fail Forward Practice Bundle. If you agree that the mind is a major part of performance, why not start training it? We put together a bundle of drills, activities, and challenges that A, your girls will love, and B, will help them overcome one of the mind's biggest obstacles, fear of failure. <laughs> so check that out at mentalsweetspot.com slash fail forward, and listen on to this episode to hear how it might pan out for them when you do. Now onto the show. Get your head in the game, coach. You're about to get your audio dose of softball inspiration. I'm Melanie Rushing. And I'm Alicia Smith. And we help softball teams win more games and have more fun. Right now, you're joining thousands of passionate coaches across the nation who are dragging the field, prepping for the day, or driving to that other job while they learn and grow as a coach. So if you're ready to learn how to build a strong team culture, get your players to believe, and make a real difference in their lives, you're in the right place. This is the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mental Sweet Spot Podcast. We're here with an awesome guest and a new yet the same perspective that I think you guys are going to love. I'm so excited to have our first men's fast pitch player and coach and teacher extraordinaire. Super excited to welcome Derek Mason. Welcome. Thanks very much for having me. Great to talk to you today. Yeah, we're excited to have you, so we appreciate your time today. But we just wanted to get kicked off with telling us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so a little bit of background on, I guess, the men's game, because you know, I, I would think a lot of your listeners may not have a lot of experience with you know, f- kind of understanding how the sport happens on, on our side. So um, I've been involved in men's fast pitch or boys fast pitch since uh, I was five years old when, when I got my start. I'm from North Vancouver, uh, BC, Canada. Uh, and at the time, you know, fast pitch softball was as big or bigger than baseball in our community. Uh, so, you know, I was able to play, you know, within North Vancouver, following the footsteps of my two older brothers, uh, learning to pitch from about three years old and, uh, and on. So, and I've never stopped. So, uh, continued my journey through ball, uh, through, uh, what we have provincial teams here, uh, in, into, uh, um, uh, Western Canada summer games and uh, Canada summer games that really kind of got my my experience at those higher levels uh, and put me on the map as far as uh, the national team. So uh, my middle brother, Brian, uh, he was already kind of going down that path uh, towards the Team Canada development team. Uh, but he made this weird decision to become a doctor. So he decided not to keep going. And uh, I decided to uh, 
carried on. Um, so I got my start with the national team in 2006. It was a Pan Am qualifier in Hermoseo, Mexico. Uh, I was 22 years old and one of the youngest members ever on Team Canada. So right there, uh, it was a big eye opener playing with with veterans on the team. It was a, quite a veteran group at the time, many in their mid 30s. And they're talking about their kids at home and careers and all sorts of stuff that I wasn't quite there to. Uh, but an awesome learning experience uh, to you know, get exposed to that level of ball leading up to the next world championships. So uh, I've, I've played with the national team since 2006, a small break in there. And I, I can speak to, you know, uh, what led up to that, but uh, I played in four world championships. Uh, we've, we won one, we've got three bronze in that time. Uh, and a Pan Am Games gold medal, which are the biggest highlights of, uh, of my career. Uh, but as far as like the, the mental side of the game and how, how that's you know, been a big story of, of my career and my life, uh, I would say coming out of that initial national team experience, I did some traveling. I finished university. I went down to Australia for uh, our winter. I went to New Zealand the next winter and, you know, just kind of living a life of a traveling ball player and um, kind of, I guess, putting life on hold a bit as far as uh, career wise at home and stuff. And uh, coming out of that and kind of finishing my travels and, and coming back and really wanting to start a career focus while at the same time balancing this ball career. Uh, that's when I was really struck for the first time with uh, an anxiety disorder that uh, you know, derailed my life for quite a number of years that you know, led to you know, bouts, extended bouts of insomnia and just kind of anxious feelings all the time and uh, not only brought my life down, uh, but uh, my ball play. So I would say leading into my first world championships in 2009, uh, I wasn't where I wanted to be mentally for sure. And it was bringing down my performance on the field. I don't feel like I lived up to my potential there. Uh, so coming out of that in the next couple of years, eventually, you know, on the physical side, retooled work, got with a hitting coach out here. It was a former national team member and, and coach, uh, really got my swing back in order and uh, started feeling better about my physical game. But I was still looking for, you know, what is that connection uh, on the mental side that's, you know, going to make me comfortable in my skin out here. So, um, you know, leading into the next world championships were 2013. You know, that was my, that was my big goal was to stick with the team. Uh, but yeah, it was just my play hadn't returned to where it needed to be. And so I got cut from that team. That was first time I'd ever been cut from a ball team in my life. Um, and really a crossroads for me to look at my career, look at where, where I was and say, you know, I'm, this was 2013. So 29, I've played a world championships. Uh, am I, am I happy with where I'm at with this career and kind of let's, move on or am I going to dig in? Am I going to figure this out, continue to work uh, and, and get back on this team? So I chose the latter and I'm glad I did. So I got back on the team the very next year, 2014, we went to Argentina, played well there, secured my spot back on the team for the next worlds. And that was our magical run in 2015 where uh, we won the world championships at home in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. And then two weeks later, won the gold medal in Toronto at the Pan Am Games. So um, as far as 
know, my mental journey that, that really was a, was a culmination of a lot of hard work. I wouldn't say I was where I wanted to be exactly, but I was getting my performance back. Um, it was around that time leading into that world. I was introduced to mindfulness meditation for the first time. And like many jocks, I would say when I first was, you know, informed about it and uh, talked about it, I kind of thought of it as, you know, it's, it's for those, those wearing robes in the Alps or, or hippies on the beach or something like that. And uh, it was reading a couple books, one uh, 11 rings by Phil Jackson, uh, Chicago Bulls and Lakers famed coach and, you know, how he brought uh, Zen Buddhism or more so just mindfulness to, to the Lakers and Bulls and uh, how, you know, he normalized that with, uh, with those excellent teams. Uh, and then the book called uh, The Mindful Athlete by George Munford, who uh, was J Phil Jackson's mindfulness coach. He would come in and work with the Bulls and Lakers. And so for me as an athlete, I connected to those types of stories because it was coming from that sports angle and just started to dive more into that, that area to just better understand the mind, how it works. And like, just understanding that, you know, we live our entire lives through our minds, whatever we see, whatever we experience, we experience through our minds. We take it everywhere we go, whether it's sports or career or relationships or what have you. So, understanding it and how it works and why some of these thoughts that are troubling me or why they're coming and how to deal with them that just made sense to me so continued my education around that and you know made meditation a regular part of my life continued to study with sports uh, psychology and just kind of psychology in general uh, and over time have at, along with some great coaching and counseling to you know to have that guidance along the way but over time of really been able to feel like I've turned that corner and uh, better understand myself, better understand the mind, uh, be able to see that space between, you know, some of those challenging thoughts that we all have. It's not just people who are struggling that, that experience troubling thoughts or, or troubling moods or what have you. Uh, and I always had this itch to teach this process. I have that kind of teaching mentality in me. I don't know if it's both my parents were high school teachers, um, but I wanted to teach it and, and, and reach others more so than just a one-to-one -one basis, one team, one-to-one -one team or one-on-one -on -one, uh, consultancy or what have you. So this last year, or maybe a year and a half ago, uh, I was actually in between jobs. Uh, the timing was a, kind of worked out because I went to Prague for the world championships, was able to, you know, um, enjoy the, enjoy the travel while, while there and, and not have work, uh, distractions in that. But, uh, it, it was that time when I put pen to paper to put together a six week online mental training program with, with a basis of really starting with the basics of education about the mind, uh, understanding, you know, how we can see it, uh, from a different perspective and not own all those challenging thoughts or, uh, challenging feelings and and how we can work with them and work through them as opposed to letting those distractions really uh really hamper us down so so i've rolled out a program called the locked in mental training program uh starting to work with uh with teams across canada and the us and individuals and uh yeah just eager to continue the this conversation uh, interestingly enough uh, we're shooting this the day after 
what we call in Canada Bell Let's Talk Day. So Bell is uh, a mobile carrier in Canada and they've had a great initiative. I think this is the 11th year uh, where you know every text on a Bell Bell network, every tweet with or Facebook or Instagram, any social post with hashtag Bell Let's Talk, they donate five cents. And it's something they donate a crazy amount of money towards mental health initiatives uh, every year just based off this one day. And and you see more and more people talking about their challenges and uh, that they've gone through and they've they've overcome by by talking to people, by by working on mental skills and programs and what have you. So um, it's great that this conversation is is more and more coming more and more to the forefront. Absolutely. I am with you and I did not get my post out yesterday. So I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> it's like, dang, I saw people doing it. I missed it. Yeah. So, and check out, like search for that hashtag too. I know a lot of people are more aware of mental health and the initiatives, but it's still different to understand what someone who's going through one of these things is dealing with. Mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing I want people to understand is it's just like when something goes wrong in someone's fundamentals or that kid just can't seem to keep her butt down and feel the ground ball. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's little things that seem simple. I should be able to get over this fear. Uh, I should be able to calm myself down. I shouldn't have to feel so bad about things that are happening to me. Well, <laughs> it's just our brain reacting in certain mm-hmm. ways that we can't control until we learn how to. So if you wouldn't mind, and this can be cut out, no problem, Derek, but I would be very honored if you would, could you share a little bit more about your experience with anxiety, a little bit what it felt like to kind of just get that story out. I have anxious mm-hmm. feelings <laughs> like yeah, every yeah. human, yeah. but I think it's important to hear these stories and normalize that like, yes, it sucks really bad. And we don't want it for any of our kids. We don't want anybody to go through it, but mm-hmm. when they do, there's also a way through it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think I kind of look at it as a few different milestones that you reach as an individual there. So, uh, you know, the first first would be just addressing that something's wrong, just just noticing, uh, like bringing it to your awareness. Sometimes it becomes so normalized that uh, people with it or they may think that, you know, th- this is just the way I am. It's just the way it is and nothing's going to change it. Uh, there's, there's no sense even asking about it because whether it's a stigma or an embarrassment or um, you know, whatever, whatever the feeling is within maybe their family, how, they're, how comfortable they are speaking about it. Uh, so for me, I've been super fortunate to have, I have, have and had a very supportive family that, uh, you know, when, when certain things we're obviously wrong that you know, I'm not sleeping like that. That's a pretty big indication that, uh, that there's some big anxiety and big worries in, in the, in the mind and manifesting in into life into your body. And so for me, uh, for, yeah, that first milestone would be, okay, let's, let's reach out to your doctor and your trusted doctor to, uh, and from there it was, I was so fortunate along my way to have multiple people, uh, offer assistance, just more, just going way above and beyond. So like, you know, I was help with my doctor. They set me up with like stress anxiety clinic and actually 
the the doctor there who or psychologist there that I started working with, uh, you know, he took a, we connected really well and knew that I didn't have coverage at the time to be able to continue for a long time. And he said, you know what? Uh, I see a lot in you. And I, he kind of phrased this like, you know, I'd like to kind of see how my approach works with an athlete. So how about we work together and I'm going to comp it. And, um, you know, that, that was kind of the start of, of, uh, really kind of being able to dive a little deeper and understand yourself a bit more. Um, but then as far as like sharing it more publicly, that definitely took a lot longer. Uh, I think with that, I think there's, again, it kind of goes back to fear of thinking that, you know, people see you a certain way and that by saying something like that about yourself, it's deeply personal about as personal as you can get is really putting yourself out there is vulnerable and, and it's easy for the mind to think about all these catastrophic th events that may happen that people talking behind your back or whatever and you soon realize that you know what okay the sky did not did not fall no one called you weak or a wimp uh you got a bunch of fist bumps uh you got a bunch of people say hey me too um and you know it, Again, going back to Bell Let's Talk, you see that over and over with more and more athletes and well-known people that tell their story that no one would have known. And it's it's kind of a, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get you, man. I get you, gal. Um, no judgment. It's becoming more and more of a of an open talking point. And my thoughts around COVID, like it's definitely hyped up anxious feelings for a lot of people. Um, but I think one thing that we're going to take from this period of time is it's also brought to the forefront more conversation in this area. So as an example, yesterday with our national team, we had about 30 plus of us on, on a Zoom call with a sports psychologist uh, based out of Ottawa and taking us through a presentation about mental health, about mental performance and mental illness and kind of the differences between those and stuff like that. But my point is 10 years ago, we're not having that conversation. You know, we, we'd have uh, uh, Ken Revisa. We had him come in in 2006 on our way to that Mexico tournament. You know, here's heads up baseball. It's a great read. Uh, here's an hour talk. And then that was kind of the end of the conversation, but the, that even that was more so around uh how to play presently, how to perform your best, how to, everything was related to your performance as opposed, I think the conversation is opening up more to you know, mental wellness, mental health, um, not, not just fundamentals and picking up ground balls and stuff like that, not just how to, how to be focused in the moment, but also to how to take care of yourself, that, how to not overwork yourself, how to take breaks, how to, uh, you know, bring that, bring that calming influence to, to your mind and body that you need just for overall mental wellness and, and bodily wellness, I guess. And I, I like what you said about the kind of like the, Hey, the me too. Right. And I think that there's a lot of power, especially with young girls, when you're like, for example, working with an entire team or a group, when you ask questions about how you're feeling or have you ever felt this way? And a lot of people raise their hand and, almost to a T, every single girl will say, well, I've always felt alone with that. 
So now that I know that I have teammates that feel the same way, I think there's a lot that helps, especially with this teenage group of girls that we work with the most. There's a lot of power in knowing that everyone around you feels similar or, or has experienced some, some of the same feelings. Because if you ask kids today what they're feeling, anxiety and stress and depression are always at the top. And which is really scary for me, not only as a mom, but as a coach of young women. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of like going forward with your course, what kind of help, what kind of things have you introduced in that course to be able to help with some of these thoughts and feelings? Right. So, uh, I, to begin with in the program, my, my goal is to, on a very kind of down to earth and, uh, I call it a easily accessible way, not, not with any sort of jargon or you know, scientific terminology, that sort of thing, but, um, just exercises to be able to step back and observe the mind. So, uh, even just starting out with, uh, set a timer for 30 seconds, uh, and, just aim to listen to the sounds around you and then just observe when thoughts come into your head, not if, and that the fact that they're just, they're just happening. You're not doing it. The mind is just, it produces thoughts for a reason. And so building education around uh, the fact that, you know, our minds behave in a certain way. Uh, there's, there's evolutionary reasons that it's trying to keep us alive. So it brings up a lot of different worries that, uh, and many, many, many thoughts a day, ten, you know, upwards of 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day in some studies that, um, you know, we, if they're just automatically happening, that we don't necessarily have to see them as fact. And oftentimes we get into this autopilot mode where we just kind of go along with whatever pops into our head. So, and oftentimes that times that is, uh, utilizing coping mechanisms. So, oh, I better check my phone. Oh, I better check my phone. Oh, I better eat this. Oh, um, as opposed to kind of stepping back from that and taking back some control and not feeling like you just have to go with that endless stream of thoughts. Um, from there, building into some mindfulness practice. So whether that's sitting, some sitting meditations for as little as a minute, just because I know it's sometimes, you know, it's, it's a new, new thing for most people um, and starting out very small, very, uh, and just kind of guiding the user through that experience and, and understanding one of the things you hear with some people who would try it for the first time, they go, well, I can't turn my mind off. It, it just keeps thinking. It's like, well, it, yeah, that's kind of what it does. And that's not the point. The point is to uh, have a focal point, typically the breath, and when your mind wanders, not if, it's going to. It's just doing its job. When it, wand- when it wanders, notice that. That's cool. Okay. Just come back to that focal point of the breath. So continually just building that in and taking that from sitting on a chair and doing that and building that into some training and in competition. So as a, as a ball player, uh, you know, we have, we have a lot of time in between pitches, in between innings, in between at-bats. There's a lot of time, that's juicy time for the mind to think about your next at-bat, to worry about the error you just made. Uh, so building that awareness and understanding that, oh, okay, my mind's, it's, it's replaying that. Uh, I don't really need to relive that right now. I'm just going to let that go. And reconnecting with, with your senses, which can, can bring you back to that present moment where, where we know we have, want to perform because then we can just let our skills flow as opposed to thinking our way through an at-bat. Like I look back when I was really struggling and 
know, on deck, kind of almost trying to predict every pitch and trying to think your way through the, the entire at bat. You know, what if, what if the pitch is here? I gotta, I gotta react here. And rather than breaking it down to its simplest element of, you know, I'm standing here with a bat, uh, pitchers out there with a ball, pitchers going to throw it towards the plate and I'm going to react with this bat. Simple as that. We, we have a game plan going in and it's not one that we have to replay over and over. We, we have to, there's an element of trust in knowing that you have that game plan with you and it's, it's going to come through. So if you're facing a pitcher who uh, you know, their go-to uh, strikeout pitch is say uh, drop ball in the outside corner. That's, that's how they've approached you in the past. Then you can have that in your back pocket. But at the same time, you don't have to be repeating that in your mind while you're in the box with two strikes. Watch out there. You got to get, got to get your bat out there. Like, no, you anticipate, but still react. Um, from there, continuing on into uh, working through some challenging thinking. So as, as we mentioned, we all, we all face challenging thoughts, challenging thought patterns. Sometimes we just get something that's lodged in there. It just keeps re on repeat. It's kind of taken up too much real estate. Uh, so there's some exercises in there to break those, break those thoughts down, look at them from a different perspective. Cause oftentimes we just get locked in on one particular point of view. An example, like I've struck out three times in a row on a rise ball. I, I can't hit a rise ball. There's no way. But then, you know, we don't really look at the fact that, well, actually, like last month, I hit a rise ball for a home run. It's just kind of recently, I, you know, three got by me. Um, so kind of taking a different perspective and being able to, to uh, just not, not be, believe those thoughts necessarily that, uh, that are just repeating, just because it's repeating a lot doesn't make it true. Um, and from there, working through some affirmations. Uh, building affirmations that the athlete can really connect with. Um, with those, I find they really have to, it helps if it connects to one of those thoughts that they've kind of worked through um, and kind of found the, the other perspective of it uh, rather than, you know, one that is just kind of picked out of the air and isn't necessarily overly realistic. You know, if you say, you know, I'm the best, I'm the best hitter in the world. And you're like, well, I mean, you're, 12 years old and uh, you're a slapper. So, I mean, that maybe that's not the most realistic affirmation at this time, but you know, like if, if your affirmation is along the lines of, I have a, I have a great eye at the plate or uh, I'm a menace on the bases when I get on or uh, you know, something that I call it a shot of swagger, a shot of confidence that they can use in the moment uh, that, you know, if you're, you're heading into that bat, at big at bat against a tough pitcher and your mind is kind of sending all these warning signals of what if, what if, and you kind of step back from that. And just a bit of like, you know what? I got this. I got this. I got, you know, I've been here before. Um, so whatever it is for that athlete that they connect with. And so I close out the, in the sixth week, uh, just going through common hurdles that athletes face. So day on, you know, when we're going through a slump, you know, what are, what are some of the approaches with that uh, as far as being able to break it down to, you know, if you're a hitter, break it down to zero for zero, you're not zero for 10. You can't do anything about those last 10 at bats being as present as possible and bringing as fresh an approach uh, 
to that next at bat and understanding that you're more than just a hitter that you know you're you're contributing to your team on defense you're contributing to them in morale and being able to uh, pick pitchers or gain insights on the other team and you know we've we all go through slumps they're the worst when we're in them and, and you think that they're never going to end um they do they do they always do um two other couple others that uh that stick out for me that we cover in the program are uh fear of failure that's one that um you know just kind of diving in and facing what are the thoughts that are surrounding that and can we disprove those and for the most part yeah we can uh as well as uh what others are thinking of us so if i mess up here is coach going to sit me do my teammates think i'm going to let that I'm letting them down. If I speak up in this team huddle, will everyone think I'm, you know, speaking out of turn or whatever it is? Um, and just looking into that, and again breaking that down, and just understanding a little bit, a little bit about the thought, those types of thoughts that are coming to us, and understanding that yeah, they're there for a reason. Our brains, it's our minds trying to protect us in a certain way. Doesn't mean we have to believe it. We can just let it go and and um, you know, challenge that by that belief. If your mind's telling you to uh, not speak up in a certain situation, speak up, see what happens. <laughs> the probably won't be that uh, catastrophic result that uh, that your mind is telling you. It's amazing what the mind will do. I still have a distinct memory of being, what, seven years old at my babysitter's house. There's a bunch of us kids. She sometimes let us go play Nintendo. And <laughs> I, in my own head at seven years old, was like, what if she says no? Oh my God. Yeah. I shouldn't ask. And I'm doing this thing as a seven-year-old talking about Nintendo. We all do this all the time. So much projecting and like trying to mind read what other people are thinking about us or how they'll react. Mm -hmm. And I really like the way you're explaining this and giving examples because for so long I felt like people saw mental training, sports psychology, all of this stuff we're talking about as oh, when I really need it, then I, I'll focus on it. Like, I'm, I'm okay for now. Like, I did that. Like, I'm fine. I'm just really hard on myself. Right. <laughs> but it's not about just being fine. Everything we do as athletes, as performers, as humans, is to be better, to improve, to grow. So why in the heck would you want to grow how your mm. brain functions? <laughs> like, get your thoughts working for you and let those unhelpful ones go. Mm -hmm. um, so I would love one more insight into how your program works for people that you've been working with. Like, what type of athletes is this really great for? Like, I personally believe it's great for every athlete but what are some things where a coach is going to be like oh yes that's going to help this player on my team or like oh that'll help me help abc player what right. are specific experiences things they go through that your program helps mm -hmm. well i think one is that guided approach sometimes when it comes to uh working with mental training with athletes and with with teams sometimes it's like i described earlier with uh present it and forget it like yeah we covered it we, we talked about it with that we brought a speaker in or um you know we gave our kids the book to read and and for me in my experience uh it i needed and i wanted that kind of gradual learning experience with a bit of hand holding to have that consistency as well 
And so given that it's a six week program, it's one that can be repeated uh, throughout, you know, preseason, during the season, after the season, um, it, it's something that can kind of guide the users along uh, and have a framework because I know a lot of coaches, they're keen to entertain this coaching uh, with kids or with, with their athletes, but they don't really know where to start. Like, um, you know, okay, if I can get a speaker, I can, uh, I could get a book or, you know, I could have a couple like you come in and, and, uh, work with the team one-on-one over, over an extended period of time. Um, but I think that, that, that kind of guided program approach, also the fact that it's, uh, all accessible through one's phone. So, uh, especially when you're dealing with youth, um, to be able to access these, it's, it's very quick and easy each day. It's three or four minute audio lesson, and then some short guided exercises for the athlete to reinforce what they've learned that day and that week. Uh, so it's, it's not an overburdening program, not trying to, you know, throw a, a, a college degree on top of their already busy lives that, you know, this has to be accessible and uh, something they can do kind of comfortably in their day-to-day life. Um, As far as the, the type of athlete I've, I've developed a program, I call it sport agnostic. So I do reference ball in there, but you know, the principles that are, that I'm covering, we're dealing with the mind, whether it's, softball, whether it's hockey, whether it's football, whether it's long distance running, whether it's work, dealing with your kids, um, whatever it is, it's the same principles apply, right? Um, you're, you're taking your mind wherever you go. So you, you were mentioning there as far as like you know, perspective as to, you know, when I'll turn, when I'll turn these skills on. And that, that was kind of how I interpret it when I was first taught was, I, I just want to learn these skills so I can be comfortable and up my game on the field. Whereas now having that perspective is like, you know what, if I add these skills, I'm going to up my game on the field, but I'm also going to feel better about myself. I'm going to up my game in school, up my game in my career, um, and just have a better understanding of how my mind works. So from the perspective of, of a user, Yes, it'll definitely, you know, for the, for the struggling athlete, I think, you know, because I come from that background, I'm able to speak to them in a unique voice. Um, but as well, I, it connects with, with those who are just looking to learn more about the mind, to uh, up their mental performance skills, because I do like referring to them as skills as opposed to just mentally strong, which is a incredibly vague term that is just thrown out there. Um, but mental skills that they, they can be taught, they can be learned and they can be practiced. Uh, and so that's, that's how I've approached it. And I think when you, just like you said, when, when coaches can focus on coaching the person and not the athlete first, right? Of course we have to coach the athlete with physical skills, but when we can focus on coaching the person first, to be able to gain all those skills, like you mentioned, that are outside of softball, which is what a lot, like all of our, you know, we call them sweet spotters, all the people that listen to us and all the people that follow us or, or that are interested in any type of program like this are interested in coaching the athlete mm-hmm. uh, second, right? And the person first and really working to building those relationships. So 
could you tell us, Derek, where we could find your program so our listeners can have the option to to go look for it? Of course. Yeah, yeah. So my website is lockedinmentaltraining.com. Uh, and it's all the information's there about uh, kind of the overview, week by week breakdown, day by day breakdown, actually. Uh, so users can uh, either sign up individually through the site, uh, or if they want to enroll their team, I work with a number of teams, uh, provide team breaks or uh, association rates to uh, to you know access a, a wider group. So uh, my goal for this year is to reach over 500 uh, athletes. And you know, pick, moving along uh, along here after the first month, definitely uh, some some great positives as far as new teams coming on and and interest. Uh, and you know, w- I think given that there's so much uncertainty around when we're all going to return to the field, when we're going to get a schedule, and uh, everything like that, this is an opportunity to work on some things that you may not have time for. Uh, once the hardcore season starts with training and game schedule and travel and stuff like that, but I mean, it's a portable program. You can take it with you, but you know, this, this is the time, this is an off season. Uh, it may be more of an off season than we want. Uh, but it's a great time to add to the toolkit, um, whether it's on the mental side, learn some new fundamentals and, and learn some new, new skills. I love that. And that is one thing I've been grateful for. Maybe I should have been making more time for this. <laughs> like, <laughs> even the Michigan coaches were like, yeah, t- we thought that uh, school got in the way of things like getting better. And turns out softball got in the way. <laughs> yeah. like, you're right. <laughs> I didn't realize that either. And like, this is my thing. But even when I was coaching, it's so easy to get caught up in all the other stuff when all the other stuff would be way better if you just integrated what you said a few minutes a day, like your program. So right. I'm hopeful that we can take some of that lesson out of this too <laughs> definitely yeah yeah i mean you always aim to aim to find some positive out of every scenario uh, i think we're learning a lot about ourselves in hopefully a once in our lifetime uh pandemic and scenario um so keen and eager to you know have everyone keep getting those numbers coming down wait patiently for that for that shot and and we'll all be out in the ball field before we know it And that is it for today's episode. If you love what Derek had to share and you want to follow him, check him out on Instagram or Facebook at Locked In Mental Training. That's Locked In Mental Training. Or on Twitter at Derek Mason, D-E-R-E-K-M-A-Y-S-O-N. And for our listeners, if you want in on his program, you want to check it out, you want to do that with your team, you can enter a promo code SWEETSPOT and receive 10% off individual orders. So if you got just one kid you want to send to it or a few or even want to get your whole team involved, go check him out. And that is all we've got for today. We'll see you again next week. Have a good one.